another Sunday, another sermon. But, but today is more important because we are talking about a really important subject and you better get this right. We're talking about mental health and Aaron, you, you got to have something good to say. Do you have something good to say? And honestly, I don't even know because I was looking at my notes this morning and I'm not confident. I'm not sure any of this is going to make any sense or be helpful at all. I, I just, I, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I don't know what I'm, what, what, what makes me qualified to speak about it? No. Okay. Stop, stop, stop. I got to focus. Do what your wife says, head up, shoulders back. You know, speaking of your wife, you know, you should have been better. You should have been nicer to her. You should have talked nicer to her. She deserves better than that. How come you can never be just a good husband? Why can't you do that? Why can't you get that right? What if she holds this against you? What if she just just never lets go and it ruins your relationship? What if that you just end up alone? No, stop, stop. I can't. I can't. I can't think that way. I got to be focused right now. All right. Uh, be be smart today, but not too smart. Be, be, be funny, but not too funny. Be challenging, but not too challenging. I mean, talk about the Bible, but, but then just, you know, but make sure it's relatable and make sure you, you stay away from any major pitfalls. You don't want people to get mad and leave that social media review. And you know how it hurts sometimes when people say stuff about you, but no, come on, you can do this. You can do this. Stay positive. You got a message to preach. Let's do this. I don't know about you, but like, you know, does anybody ever feel like you have a battle going on in your head? You know, uh, so much of my life, uh, I feel like every moment of every day, I'm fighting a thought. And today, you know, our hope is that we can maybe look at the Bible and just talk a little bit about how to deal with uh, what I would call the war in your mind. If you are um, brand new here, we're so glad that you're with us. My name is Aaron, and I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad uh, that you're here with us. If you are here with us for the very first time, if you're a guest, man, we're so happy, again, that you're here. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody shout three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. And so my hope is that you come back and, and find spiritual family. If you're watching online, would you do me a favor? Like, comment, share, leave a review, do something inside of the chat. Just be interactive. Say, I'm here, and maybe tell us where you're from. And uh, we hopefully encourage you. If you are local, we'd love for you to come visit us on a weekend. And uh, we are starting a brand new series uh, based on a book that uh, we have been going through called Winning the War in Your Mind. Winning the War in Your Mind. And um, I read this uh, recently this year and um, just felt like it was so good, had so many good things to say about winning the war in our minds. And so we thought we'd create a series around it. And so we have some small groups that are doing this book. Um, I highly encourage you to get this book. Would anybody read this book if I gave it to you? Would anybody in here read this? I'm just, I'm literally asking you a question. Would you read this book? Come here, dude. Come here, come here, come here. Come on, I'll give this book to you. I want you to read this book. Come on, give it up. Oh, all right, you're, you're your own hype man. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, there you go. You got that book. Anybody else? How about over here? Anybody else read this book? If I give you this book, would you read this book? Sir, come here. Come here. Come here right here. I got you in the red shirt. It's just because I can see you. You got a red shirt going on. Here you go. 
I'm gonna give this book to you. That's for you. Yes, sir. Yeah, welcome. And uh, man, we, we're reading a, we're reading through the book. Just kind of, I highly encourage you to go on Amazon. We're gonna be selling them uh, throughout our series as well. And uh, and if not, you can just go to Amazon right now. Shoot, you can do it right now. Amazon Prime on your phone and get it to your door probably the end of the day today. And so uh, it'll be great. And uh, we're gonna be walking through really what it's like. What does God have to say about um, about mental health and about you know this struggle that we all have in our brains? Because I'm telling you, there was a, I read a study that said you you and I most people we get bombarded with about 500 unintentional intrusive thoughts a day. Now I need you to think about that like on a regular basis and some of you can recognize it, some of you can't recognize it, but man there are things jumping into your brain that you didn't even think about, you didn't want there. How many of y'all have ever had that? You had a thought and you were like, why on earth would I ever think that? You know, like we, you need to know you're not alone. And that, that, that God has a lot to say about it in his word. And so I'm going to give a couple of ground rules for the series, okay? Because this is an important series. This is intentional. Um, and, and I want to make sure that I walk through a few things uh, with you. Number one, I am not a mental health expert, okay? I want to be clear about that. I'm not a mental health expert. Um, I, I and we, I believe, can learn from God on how to handle what, what's happening up here. And if second rule is if you feel like you're going through something very, very traumatic, there's something that has happened to you, you are in a really deep, dark place, do not not wait to go get professional help. Do not wait. Let me say, do not wait to go get professional help. This is what, what you will not find on a weekend service, especially from somebody, uh, from, from a pastor or from a preacher, is that a message is not going to fix you. Now, the message should help you and point you in the right direction and to get you in the right frame of mind. But if you need help, go get it. And if you need help getting help, I will help you get help. In fact, we will print out sheets. We have a list of counselors, um, everything from paid to semi-paid to free. They're Christian. They're vetted from Christian organizations in our city, and I will hand them to you free of charge, and you can go and find professional help, okay? So if you need help, we'll help you get help. I just want to give that on the front end and, and make sure you do that. Don't wait. Don't wait. But, but I, I shared those thoughts with you because I wanted you to know like you're not alone. And you need to know, because sometimes, you know, as a pastor, I have a nerve, like sometimes I can get nervous and I'm like, I got to be perfect so that if the people who hear my message, they, if they think I'm perfect and they think I got it all figured out, then they'll think, oh, I, I, I can take him seriously. But I've noticed that the people that I respect the most are not the people who are perfect. They're the people who are in, they have integrity, come on, and they're, they're appropriately vulnerable in the spaces that they should be vulnerable so that we can relate. So you and I, when I preach this message, it's not me preaching on a mountaintop looking down at you in the valley going, I wish you were better. It's we're in the same boat, walking through the same storms, going through the same issues, but we might have a bit different perspective. And so our goal together today as a family is to walk through the Bible. What God, what do you have to say about mental health? And I'm telling you, we need to talk about it because there, there's no statistic and no study that says that mental health is in, in is, we're getting healthier as the days go on. You know that you don't need to see a study from Harvard to know that the world has some serious mental problems. Just go on social media for five seconds. Yeah, I always tell people if I want to feel worse about myself, I go check out Facebook. If I want to find myself in high anxiety, I go look at Instagram. Like, there's studies that show that you, you need to go watch some of the documentaries on how these companies were created. They were designed to exploit the human condition. They were designed to make you the product. You're like, it's free. No, it ain't. You the product. And so, so we, we, there's a lot of stuff going on. And what I found funny is that I would go to say that the, the most 
frustrating thing about being a pastor and representing the body of Christ is that it feels like most churches aren't safe to talk about that stuff. It's like we don't know, we can't admit it that we're going through something. We have a statement here at our, at our church, kind of part of our code. It's, we say this, it's, it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And so that, that we and I all, you, you and I, we all struggle. And what's funny, if you look at the Bible, there were a lot of people who struggled with mental health. Elijah had a major issue with mental health. Had great victories, great successes. And then you would see the seemingly the same moment would be so depressed that he'd ask God to take his life. You have people who struggle with having the right priorities. Martha, Jesus is in her house, in front of her. And she's thinking about the wrong things. Come on, somebody. Y'all been there. You, you should be thinking about the right things, but you're not. You're thinking about the wrong things. I mean, Job went through some of the worst trials of his life. Go read it in the Bible. It's a book of Job, right? We also like, you ever read that? You're like, why is there a book called Job? Like, I don't want to read that. No one reads that because you think I'm just remind you of where you work. No, it's not Job. It's Job. It's a person. And so you go watch. Go read his life. Nothing bad should have happened to him, and yet the worst did. And, and I look at all of these characters and you think, why is there such a stigma around mental health? Because if you and I had a broken bone and you went to the store or you went to the doctor to get it fixed, we would never judge you. But if there's something wrong with your mind, we think there's something wrong with you. I, even me, uh, about four years ago, most people would describe me as an extroverted person. I love being around people, and I love being in life. I love to be the life of the party. I'm telling you, I just that's how God made me, and I, I always enjoyed it. Never had what I would call a down or sad day in my life until I moved uh, to uh, till I decide not not even till I moved to Santa till I the moment Erica and I decided to plant a church. Boom. Anxiety. Fear. Depression. I'm talking real, real deal stuff. And I wish I could tell you like, hey, uh, I won. But I'm still going through it today. And yeah, I had those conversations with God. Like, oh, what? Like, seriously, God? Like, I'm doing your work, trying to do what you want me to do. Anybody have that conversation with him recently? Like, God, I'm doing the right thing, and it would seem all the wrong stuff's happening. And so what you guys don't know is this is a series four years in the making where I've been wrestling with God with, with, with all of the wrong questions you ask him in the wrong times, right? <laughs> and so you need to know, like, you have a pastor who understands. Now, I don't understand you specifically. Because I'm not you. I'm not going through your battle. And you're not me. And you're not going through my battle. But one thing I've noticed is that in our battle, we can look to the one who can help us with the battle. Amen. And we're all struggling in some way right now. And if, even if you say you're not struggling, you are. You just don't know it. And that's your struggle. Because most of our life has changed dramatically. And you don't even really know. One day you'll look back 10 years and go, what, 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 just, what just happened? Because the world we live in is kind of odd. So today, I want to talk to you about, um, we're going to use the Apostle Paul through the next several 
weeks of this series. We're going to talk to, uh, to about really what he said about, he addressed this a lot. He talked about mental health. He talked about, God. what do we do? What do you do when you're struggling with anxiety and when you're struggling with depression, when you're struggling with fear, when you're struggling with worry, when you're struggling with like, man, this, I don't know what to do in stress, unhealthy stress. Like, how do you handle that? And he wrote this interesting letter in 2 Corinthians to kind of bring context to our world and to our life. And so just so you know, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 today, and it's going to be in the New Testament. So the Bible's broken into two sections or two parts. You got the Old Testament in the front, kind of the New Testament in the back half. And, and, and it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. But then it starts getting into some cool letters that Paul used to write right after Acts that Paul would write. And they were epistles. They call them epistles or letters to churches that he was writing as the apostles. So he'd plant these churches and then he'd write these letters back. So Corinthians is a letter to the church in Corinth, which is a city. And so he's writing to this church, right? And he's trying to tell them, he's trying to give them perspective on their life. Like you need, you and I need to know exactly what you're doing so you know exactly how to how to handle it and how to walk out life and so second corinthians chapter 10 he starts off in verse 3 this is so good he says for though we live in the world now here's what's funny you and i live in this world i noticed that when you and i gave our life christians if you're not a christian in here you'll if you ever give your life to christ you'll notice something that does not happen even though pastors love to make sure they, they kind of make you feel like it does happen it doesn't what does not happen is when you give your life to God, you don't magically disappear and end up in heaven. For some reason, God decided that when you and I give our life to Christ, we start living for him. For some reason, we still got to stay here in a fallen, broken world. And so now we have to figure out how to live in it. And he says, we live in this world, but we don't wage war the way the world does. This is interesting language. Now, remember, Paul's writing intentionally. He says, the weapons we fight with, are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I love that. They, we, have, we have ways to fight this war. You're in a war. We have ways to fight this war. And we can demolish strongholds or akuroma, which means it's a stronghold. It's a deep military um, uh, uh, facility that it, almost spiritually that, that, that the enemy can get into our brains. But we have the power to destroy what the enemy put inside of our brain. We have the power to demolish them inside of both our world and the world. And he says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against God and the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I mean, that's good Bible teaching. Then, then he writes in another letter in Ephesians. He writes Ephesians chapter 6. Again, a letter to the church at Ephesus. And he writes this. He says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. This is interesting. He's still using the same language. He's like, okay, we're fighting. We're in a war. There's a battle going on. We're trying to figure this thing out. He says, but we're not fighting flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places that you and I, let's just summarize it all. We're in a battle. It's not what you think. It's more spiritual than you think. I know you think you're just having a struggle on your job. It's spiritual. I know you think you're struggling with your weight. It's spiritual. I know you think you're struggling with your, 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 your spouse. It's spiritual. I know you think you're having financial problems. It's spiritual. I know you think your business is coming against and having a, there's, it feels like there's an attack after an attack. Like, how come nothing can ever go right when I said it right and I double-checked and I triple-checked and it doesn't seem to work out and you think it's... It's spiritual. And he says, you have to know how to fight it so that you can, so that you can win. So with that as our backdrop, that was my intro. I got like 18 pages left. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all like new. They're like, how long is this going to go? 
like I got like an appointment at Denny's. Can you get can you get in a reservation at Denny's? I'm just kidding. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We know that today you're going to speak, Lord. I pray that today, God, Holy Spirit, this would be your time to speak to us in every way that you can. Lord, let there be life change today by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I, I love my wife. She's amazing. She's, uh, we wouldn't have no church without her. I'm just telling you, like, uh, I wanted to quit a long time ago. I'm like, this, uh, I gotta be honest with you. I feel like I could do really, I could sell shoes at finish line, y'all. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> like, I could, I feel like there, I could do well somewhere, but, um, she's amazing. But there was one time, can I just, babe, is that okay? There was one time I asked her for permission to tell her this story. Cause, cause you know, my wife's funny, you know, she, uh, Ladies, you, you know, wives, y'all know how to get things done with your husband. Let's just say that, right? Y'all know, like, if there's something you want to get done, you know how to make it happen. The other day, about, well, it must have been 12 years ago now, I was, um, I was not the man you stand, that stands before you today. I was a little uh, heavier. I was, uh, I was about 325 pounds, and um, I enjoyed every pound of it. It was awesome. And so somebody was like... They were like, were you upset and upset? I'm like, no, I ate cheeseburgers and pizza. It was amazing. <laughs> like, please, you know, people talking about, eat kale, it's the new thing. I'm like, no, that's garbage. <laughs> like, deep fry it and I'll eat it, all right? So about, but, so I was, I was not healthy and she kept encouraging me. She was so sweet. She said, honey, will you just, you know, I think it'd be good if you get healthy. You know, we got kids coming. It's going to be good for you to just be good. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, that's fine. And so one night on Friday, she got tired of it. She said, all right, listen, honey, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do tonight? I'm like, it was just, we were just new. We just got married. It was awesome. We just had our first set of twins. You know, we had kids. And so she's like, you want to go to Pizza Hut? I'm like, I bet. Let's go to Pizza Hut. And she's like, okay, we're going to go to Pizza Hut. So she gets all the kids in the car and where I'm in the car. And so she goes, she goes, I'm driving today. And I don't know about you, but I like to drive. I have control issues. So she's like, no, I'm driving. I'm like, okay. So I sat in the passenger seat and she starts driving. So we start driving. And now I know where the Pizza Hut is. I knew where all the Pizza Huts were. <laughs> And so I'm like, where's Pizza Hut? And so she starts driving. She don't drive towards Pizza Hut. I'm like, where are you going? Where are you going? She goes, well, um, I'm going to Pizza Hut. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're driving. And I go, babe, we, you have passed three Pizza Huts. They know my name there. Put my membership number in. <laughs> then we ain't going to Pizza Hut. She goes, no, we're going to Pizza Hut. We're going we're gonna to go to Pizza Hut. So once something, I, I never have like, the Holy Spirit talk to you. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, we ain't going to Pizza Hut. And I said, I looked at my wife. I said, honey, you better tell me where are we going? And she goes, I go, and I, for some reason, I thought she was going to take me to a friends of ours house that were the trainers. They were personal trainers. And I'm like, are you taking us to Marco and Shelly? Their name was Marco and Shelly. I said, are you taking us to Marco and Shelly? So she goes, no, I'm not taking you to Marco and Shelly's. I'm like, okay. She pulls into their neighborhood. I'm like, honey, thou shalt not lie. Are we going to Marco and Shelly? She goes, no. I said, Pizza Hut is not in the neighborhood. I know they say they are, but it's not in this neighborhood. We pull down the street of Marco and Shelly's house. I go, honey, we are on their street. Where are we going? She goes, we're not going. To, I'm not taking you to see Marco and Shelly's. I'm like, okay. We pull into their driveway. Now I'm at. I said, look, girl, you fine, but this ain't right. This ain't right. You need, you need to take me. You told me Pizza Hut. You promised me Pizza Hut and breadsticks, and now that's what I want. Some of y'all are like, Pizza Hut sounds good after church. So, like, they, 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 that's what I wanted. And so she pulls into the driveway. No lie, Shelly walks out, and she says, hi, I was waiting for you. I looked at her. I said, 
I thought you said we weren't going to go see Marco and Shelly. She goes, we're not seeing Marco and Shelly. We're just seeing Shelly. I go, that's true. That's lying. Y'all know how to do that. Ladies, y'all know how to do that to us. She's like, I didn't lie. We weren't seeing Marco and Shelly. We just seeing Shelly. I'm like, that's a technicality. It was not good. So anyway, she, she told me, what she told me was, so Shelly sits me down and she, I said, look, just put me on the diet and then we'll get this thing over with. She goes, we're not going to do a diet. She goes, diets are just fads. They try, they're quick things trying to fix you. When I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to fix you. I'm trying to give you principles for life. And 12 years later, I got healthy and had a better and different kind of life. You know, I think the funny thing about ministry is that um, I've heard great messages on, on um, mental health from great pastors and preachers and churches. And, and I think unintentionally, they have good, they give good intentions. We have, we have good intentions. I want you to know I have good intentions today. And, and sometimes we can make it feel like this is a magic formula and pill that if you just, if you're struggling right now, you just say this verse. And when you're struggling and you say the verse and nothing changes, that could be discouraging. Can we be real? I believe in the power of the spirit. I believe in the power of the word of God. It is life changing. This book will change your life. But it's, it's not a magic pill. And so I'll read things like Romans 12. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'll be like, bless God, that's good. And I'll say that over my mind. And then I'll wake up and have anxiety and fear and worry. And come on, anybody else? So, so unintentionally, I could give you good information and feel, make you feel inspired. The problem is, is that inspiration will only take you so long. Eventually, you need some, some type of meat on the bone to, to make sure that not only are you inspired, come on, but you, are, you can move to practicalities that you can change your world. So the goal of this series is not me coming up here and saying, if you worry, well, don't worry, and it'll get better. Doesn't that what it sounds like a little bit sometimes with some of the messages you hear from churches? That's not my goal. The goal is, is, is just a goal, to learn patterns or habits that will develop healthy, healthy thought life and renewal. That's it. So, so today, I want to work on for the first step, if we can work on the first step and maybe taking a journey in you becoming more mentally healthy. And, and I, if you're not in counseling or you feel like you have not been self-prescribed to as anxiety or depression or anything like that, this, this, is, this is vital for you not to only get healthy, but to stay healthy inside of our life. Paul says it, 2 Corinthians. He uses language of war. He says, we don't wage war the way the world does. He, he highlights most of life's battles are won or lost in our minds. They start here. They start here. I know you thought it, it started somewhere else. It's a decision that you made. Before that decision was made, it started here. And, and, and if we don't get this right, we'll miss it. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you even know you're in a battle? The other day, I was coaching flag football. I don't do it anymore because, you know, I'm trying to stay Christian. And, uh, <laughs> and my son, Titus, we, we, had, a, uh, we had a game. They lined up. We were on defense. They were on offense. They had the football. They're 10, which means they don't pay attention. But the coach is allowed to be on the field, which I think is a great idea. So I'm on the field, and I'm like, we're huddling up. 
And I said a lot of nice things to these kids. I was lifting them up. You know, I was like, if y'all don't do this, I'm going to freak out. I will freak out. I don't care if your parents are over there. I will freak. Are you hearing me? You know, and they're like, coach, it's time out. I'm like, okay, sorry. Um, so I said, all right, they're about to snap the ball. Run up to the field and run up to the, to the line of scrimmage. So the other team runs up. They get set. And no lie, our team's just standing around. Just like. I said, hey, hey, y'all, they're about to snap the ball. You know, I was trying to be nice because they told me I was supposed to be nice. They're about to snap the ball. They're still looking around. Some kid was over here playing with the flower. Another kid was talking to his mama. Another kid was tying his shoe. My kid, I don't even know where he was. I'm like, did you go to the restroom or something? Where are you? They walk up and they hike the ball. The ball gets hiked. The kids are standing around. The guy literally runs by all of our people who are not paying attention. It's flag football. They're not paying attention. The guy runs in, scores a touchdown. They win the game. Now, I'm a Christian person. But I screamed. I said, we lost the game because you weren't paying attention that we're actually in a game. This is a battle. They want to win, and they want to make sure we lose. So you need to care about it. And they're like, well, coach, we just were here for the snacks. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, it's, that's what's wrong with our generation. You know, they get medals for everything, for showing up. Like, I don't want a medal. for. They try to give my kid, like, a participatory medal. I'm like, give me that. He didn't do nothing. Throw it in the stands. You know? So told you, you need to pray for your pastor. So anyway, um, you need to know you're in a battle so that you can fight it, y'all. Let's go. You're in a battle. And the, the weapon that you and I need to be so conscious of that our enemy, you have an eye, we have a spiritual enemy, he's Satan, he's a, he uses one weapon. You know what it is? Lies. That's it. Satan's not even creative. He can't even create his own weapon. What he does is he takes what God creates and he perverts it, and then he tries to make sure you believe it. In fact, he doesn't even try anything new. He really just does repetitive things. That's why you think like, you, you ever wonder why you struggle with the same thing over and 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 over again? It's not something new. That's because the enemy doesn't have anything creative in his bone, in his body. He doesn't. He can't create something. He can only manipulate it. He can only frustrate you. He can only bring that up again and again and again and again and again. That's why you and I ruminate. We think about the negative things all the time. God, why do I think like that? I'm really afraid. Why am I really afraid? And then you start lining up all the lists of why you're really afraid. And then you can make lists about the things that you're afraid. You can be afraid about the stuff that you're afraid of. Why? Because the enemy just loves to bring in lies and tells you things. In fact, I, it's, in, it's amazing. It's in Scripture. And he says he's a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. It's who he is. For he is a liar and the father of all lies, John 8. He talks about, like, this is who he is. It's what he does on a regular basis. And the danger is, is that if you allow and I allow unchecked lies into our life, it's, you're going to be ruled by them. It's almost like it's, it's just a matter of time before you, if you believe you are a victim, because the enemy told you you're a victim. God told you you were victorious. So the enemy comes in and says, actually, you're not. You're a victim. You start believing you're a victim, eventually you live like what? A victim. So we, we have to be conscious that there's, there's lies that are coming to us all the time. So some truths you need to write down. We cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. It's a big deal. That the life we have is often a reflection of the thoughts we think. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, science is funny. Science thinks they're breaking through like technology right now. They're like, We've, we just 
figured something out that no one knows except in the Bible. So people are like, I'm not kidding you. Like breakthrough technology has groundbreaking studies are showing that your minds matter and how we think determines where we go. And I'm like, that's been around for years. But scientists has now proven it's for, 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 I mean, I'm telling you, for years, scientists always thought that after adolescence, your brain was done developing. It was hardwired to be who you were. They thought that forever. And recent scans will show you now that your, your brain actually has this thing called neuroplasticity. It's a fancy word for saying that you can actually rewire your brain on a regular basis. That you can't, you can, wait, wait, you can renew, sounds funny, you can renew your mind on a regular basis. So you and I, some of us, you look, some, sometimes scientists believe that, some of we believe that, don't we? Sometimes we get in that, we say it like this, well, dad did it, grandpa did it, guess I'm going to do it. Mom did it this way, she was angry all the time with the kids, grandmama was angry all the time with the kids, great, 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 grandmama was always angry, so guess what, I guess that's just how I'm made. And God's saying, no, 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 you can, you can rewire your brain, science is now showing us that our pattern of thinking is learned. And so here's what's good about that. If you think good thoughts, you can think, man, you can think good thoughts and that can become a good person. You can eventually develop a good thought life and bring good things about. The problem is, is when the negative stuff gets in, that's when you start to really struggle. So if our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, then we need a strategy to win the war. I'm going to give you the first step if I can. And then again, again, remember, remember, it's not a magic pill. It's just the first step in a long journey for mental health. Number one, number one is this, how to, how to win the war, how to win the war, first step. You need to identify the lies that Satan uses. So you gotta actually think about what you're thinking about. That's a hard thing to do. Sometimes we just think and then we act or we get stuck and we ruminate over and over and over again. And you, and you get stuck, anybody get stuck like me? Anybody get stuck? Like you heard my thoughts? Like, oh my gosh, me and my wife, we fought. But yeah, we fight because we're human. Because y'all fight too, right? Like, it's marriage. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is to get married to another person. Because you think they should be like you, and they think you, you should be like them. And you realize marriage shows you that you, 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 it's impossible. <laughs> and you look up to heaven, and you go, God, why? <laughs> but but, but there, is a, there, is a, there is a lie that the enemy has used on you that's specific to you and unique to you. effective to you. That's why your lie is not my lie. My lie is not your lie. But you got to identify. God, what is it? What are the strongholds? He says we have divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. There are lies. Strongholds are lies. You cannot demolish what you have not defined. So you have to define it. God, what? What is it? You ever, you ever, um, there was this funny thing. This is before like the iPad. Um, when I was young, I don't know if they even do this. They had this magazine called Highlights. Y'all remember Highlights? Y'all talking about, uh, do they still make that? Yes. They didn't, okay. In, in the highlights, they had this, um, where they go, what's wrong with this picture? Y'all remember that? And you had to find out, like, there was one guy upside down, or, you know, there was, like, an elephant in the middle of the room or something. You know, you had to find out what's wrong with this picture. You, you and I, come on, you and I, we're going to have to look at our brains and look at our life and write down, uh, what's wrong with this picture? Because it doesn't seem to align up 
with what God says about me, and yet I live like something completely different. What's wrong with this picture? you got to be able to identify what's wrong because you cannot defeat what you have not defined. It, it, there's a lie in, in every... I've heard people say stuff like, if I say no, they won't like me anymore. I won't be valuable. If I make a mistake, come on, come on. I will be rejected. If, if, I, show, this is, if I show emotion, that means I'm weak. And you and I can get these lies in our heads that don't align with truth, come on, that don't align with God, that don't align with what we know is right, and yet we live with them, and it can affect our life. So first step, identify the lie. Second step, this is, this is good, this is good right here, this is important. We replace it with truth. Once you've identified the lie, you have to replace it with God's word. He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now this strategy is unique, and it can be different for everyone. But at the end of the day, all it's saying is saying, you, you cannot cover up a lie inside of your mind. You got to replace it. Sometimes we try to do, don't we try to do that? Like we try to cover it up. You just try to like, you know, my, my grandpa always said, like, you try to put like lipstick on a pig, like it's still a pig. <laughs> right? It's still a lie. You're still messing around with it. You can't cover it up. You can't just like duck, y'all ever, um, yeah, my, my dad put duct tape on everything, right? Like, he never replaced stuff. He'd just be like, all right, well, go get the duct tape, son. It wouldn't matter what it was. And some of y'all, y'all anybody like that? A little bit like duct tape just fixes everything. And uh, when I was at high school, I went and wrestled. Uh, I told a story one time when I went and wrestled at my wife's high school. And it was terrible because the high school was terrible. It was trash. It was our rival. It's just a trash school. I'm mad thinking about it. I got to put that in my counseling time. for Anyway, uh, and, uh, but I went and wrestled it, and they broke into my car like multiple times. Well, every time they broke in my car, they broke my window. And I'm like, couldn't you just like find another way to get in the car without breaking the window? Because when they break the window, you got to drive with no window. And have you everybody ever drove with no window before? Like, it's terrible. So I did what everybody does when you drive with no window. I put a plastic bag on the window. And I, you know, I duct tape. Anybody ever had the plastic? Come on, anybody join the plastic bag window day? Oh, we got one, we got two, we got three. We had a couple of people telling the truth. Okay, great. <laughs> and I drove that car because I didn't have no money. And my mom and dad told me, stop driving to that high school. They got mad at me. They said, we ain't paying for it. You got to raise the money. So I drove for like six months with a window. Come on, broken out. Talking about this is, this is whack. You know, that doesn't make you the cool kid at high school. I'll tell you. I'm driving my truck. And I remember driving, it'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like five miles an hour, like, <laughs> and I try to hold it, you know, I try to keep it from moving, I'd really tight, it didn't work, nothing worked. It wasn't until I replaced the window, in fact, I had to drive slower, it was terrible, it didn't look right, my truck just didn't work. It wasn't until I replaced the window that allowed my truck to work at its fullest potential. And I think sometimes you and I, we drive around our lives with lies. And, and if we were to scan our brains, our brains look like that truck did. You know what I'm saying? Broken windows and a whole lot of duct tape. Because let me just tell you, duct tape wasn't only on the window. It was on the bumper. It was on the inside. It was on the, come on, the part of the panel. You know, I didn't have no money. So I was just like, hey, I got to make this thing work. And so my, I had a, a broken down truck. And, and some of us, we have some broken down minds. 
And you, it's not going to work at its fullest potential. If you, 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 you eventually, you got to replace the lie with the truth of God's word. Now, here, here's what I want, I want you to do. I just thought I'd give you an example, and I'm done. We're going to talk about more next week. But, but I want to give you some examples if I can. Can I do that? To, to maybe take a step practically. Because, again, I don't want it to be just inspiration. I'd love to give you maybe a tool that you can use in your arsenal when you are in the war of your mind. So first step, right? I'm going to put the first one up. First step. Is, is a lie. Hey, let's, let's, let's just, we're going to pick one lie, okay? I'm just going to give you an example. So a lie could be, I'm a victim. Nothing good ever happens to me. That's a lie from the enemy. Number one, you're not a victim. And number two, good things happen to you all the time. You just don't know it yet. You, you can't think of, by the way, your mind can't focus on the two, the same thing, two different things at the same time. You think you're a multitasker? You're really not. You're just doing a whole lot of things, one thing at a time in a lot of ways. You hear what I'm saying? You can't focus on two things at a time. It's, it's proven scientifically. So if you think you're a victim, you always be a victim. So the lie is, I'm a victim, nothing good ever happens to me. Then you do this. Here's what you do. You replace it with truth. You write down the truth of God's word. Here's what God's word actually says about you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, we're just using an example. That's just one verse you can find that would counteract the lie that the enemy has told you, that he is perverted. This is the truth that the enemy has perverted to try to make you believe it so that you don't win. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yeah, There's a truth. Then here's a great step. You need to make it palatable. You need to make it a statement. You need to be able to write something down that you can declare over your life every single day that has something to do with God's word speaking against the lie of the enemy so that you can start mounting an offense and not just defense. Come on. When the enemy is attacking you. So you could look something like this. It could look like the declaration says God tells me that I'm not a victim, but I but a victor in Christ because he is for us. There's one statement that you are now fighting the battle for your life when it comes to the enemy. I'll give you one more. Y'all want one more? All right, here's another one. God doesn't care about me. Now, how many of y'all have said this when something bad happens? Come on. You said it in your own way. God doesn't care about me. He's not real. He must not. And if he's real, he ain't paying attention. Come on, right? And so we say this, and so God, he says, God doesn't care about me. That's the lie. The truth is, from the word of God, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, come on, somebody, while you still made a mistake, while you were still sinning, while you were not good enough, while you were stuck in that world, while you were actually in fear and in gossiping and worrying and sin, he said, said, instead of walking away, Christ died for you. So, so you have truth, right? So the truth is, is that God loves you no matter what, and he loves you no matter who you are, and he loves you not just because of what you've done for him. He loves you because of who you are because you're his son. You're his daughter. So he says you're good. You already made it. You're already in the family. So he dies for you, and he demonstrates his love for you, and the enemy comes in and he perverts, and he says he doesn't care about you. See, if he cared about you, he would never let any of that happen. You see how it works? And then you make it palatable. You make your declaration. And it says this, God loves me fully and completely. Come on, somebody. God loves me fully and completely, regardless of my goodness. Thank God he loves me not because I'm good. Thank God he loves me because he's good. Come on. Because if he loved me because I was good, we'd be in some trouble. And he says, I can trust him even if I don't understand. I have declarations. I have things. So what our church did for you, everybody's getting this today. I told you I'm trying to be practical. We made you custom sticky notes that has winning the war in your mind. Everybody's going to get a pack of custom sticky notes as you walk out today. And what you can do is you make your weapons with God's truth. And you put them on your 
wall and you put them on your mirror in your bathroom and you put them on your nightstand and you put them in your car and you put them in your bible and you put them at your cubicle and you put them at work and you put them on you i put mine on my kids i'm like god bless help them in jesus name don't touch that sticky note it's staying on you right you just you because we want to equip you to make the declarations of your life can i give you some by the way we're going to help you as well if you want just some of the declarations we made for you that are based on scripture they're on our website at ricechurchtx.com winning so you can go to our website you can see all of these but i'm going to give you just a couple can i read something over you as we close as we close can i read something over you will you close your eyes put your hand over your heart just everybody in here close your eyes put your hand over your heart i'm going to read some of these for you I have the mind of Christ directing my thoughts. I have the word of God guiding my steps. Worry is not my master. I trust in God. His peace guards my heart, guards my mind, guards my soul in Christ Jesus. My God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. My God is for me. My God is with me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. My God's power, I can change. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him. Daily I direct, he directs my steps. I know his voice. He leads me to his perfect will. I'm empowered. I am chosen. I'm called. I'm a masterpiece created to do in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for me to do. That's who you are, church. Now look right here. Don't let the enemy lie to you about it. You're all those things and more. Identify the lie. Replace it with truth. Come on. And we're going to speak it until we believe it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. Today is your day. Today we can worship you. Today we can follow you. Today we can lift you up. Today is your day. And I pray that every time, God, we come into this place, Lord, there would, we wouldn't just wait for inspiration or for information. We would pray, God, that we would walk out with transformation, different than the way we walked in. Father, thank you for the first step in this series. Let this be a step that we start to move towards the goodness of God and what you have for us in Jesus' name.